Did I wish you a happy turkey day? Yeah. Okay. I always think of the uh, Thanksgiving Day massacre when I was in Hawaii. <laughs> you had that mass text that just like blew up half your friends list. Mostly all females too. Yeah. I got a lot of what? Excuse me with the exclamation marks. I was like, no, it's not supposed to happen. My favorite part too is it popped up and it totally was one of those things like because I remember you had texted me previously because I think I was in the chain pre above it, but then all of a sudden that just pops up like what the fuck? <laughs> all these pissed off people responding to it. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, and welcome to Couch Co-op Video Game Podcast. It's kind of like a book club, only for video game nerds. Today, we're going to catch up on the video game Deathloop, but before we hop into it, boys, what have you been playing lately? Dave, you want to start us off? Uh, I've been wrapping up a lot of different games, so last night, I, I, I'm going to pop three platinum trophies in one day. <laughs> And hopefully take my lead over you in true trophies, Matt, because you've surpassed me by like some like a hundred something points. You and I are battling it out with Spider-Man. Like we're (laughs) we're using Spider-Man as a way to try to get a one up on each other. But uh, so I set myself up for um, um, Ratchet and Clank. Sorry. And I'm working on Deathloop where I've come across a horrifying trophy glitch. So, yeah, I've already spent like eight attempts on trying to pop this one. So uh, uh, we'll see how it goes. And then, and then I'm working on Spider-Man. And then, yeah, last night, uh, Jack and I bought a Slate of Spire for a friend through Steam. It was 10 bucks. Um, and uh, luckily it was like the last 12 hours of the sale and he accepted the gift. So uh, hopefully I'll be hearing about it sometime in the next you know, couple of weeks. But I ended up getting it and putting it on my PS4 because I kind of wanted to just play something where I could sit on my couch, you know, and then really think about it and uh, had a lot of fun playing it. So uh, I think I'm just gonna keep it on there and kind of keep it up as like the evening, you know, tie off game you know, when I want to chill out or something like that. But you got to you got to monitor that with Slate Aspire because it's really easy to just, oh, wait a minute. This shit was like two hours ago when I said I wanted to to do one more run. So, uh, yeah, I just been playing like a whole slurry of different games and it's been pretty cool being able to jump to and fro. I scooped uh, Slate Aspire on Switch a while back. And I got to say, I'm definitely a a PlayStation. Like that's that's kind of where I, where I think of as home for video games at this point, but that game fits perfectly on the mobile device. It's, it's just, I mean, there's no like complicated, you know, movements you're doing. So you don't need to have like that real comfort with the controller. Right on. Um, I've been playing, I played through Spider-Man Miles Morales. Um, I kind of appreciate like booting it up and immediately looking at the trophy case and realizing I wasn't going to platinum it. Like there was no way in hell I was going to go through the second time to get the new game plus trophy. So um, there's something kind of like 
you know, freeing of playing a game like that, knowing there's no way in hell you're going for the platinum. So um, I did platinum the first Spider-Man game. And uh, so playing through this one, it was kind of nice doing like the trials and things like that and being like, well, I, I'm happy with silver. That's fine. I don't need to really perfect these runs. Um, but yeah, that, that's been a fun experience. Um, I'm excited to talk with you gentlemen about that at a later time. Um, and once I completed that one, um, I started up Transistor um, just because this has been kind of the year of super giant games for me. And um, I can see, Jack, why you quit playing it. Like, it's definitely the lesser of, of the three games that I've played by them. Hmm. But um, I will say it's kind of neat playing it now after logging so many hours into Hades and kind of seeing like so many of the ideas like before I think they were ready to take on that that kind of a game. Like it really seems like it laid the groundwork for that uh, more so than anything else that they've done. So uh, in that sense, it's been really cool. Um, it's certainly going to be a slog, I think, it to a point, but eh, How it'll be fun. Are you in? How many hours have you put in? I want to say I'm probably only about four hours in tops. I think that's about how far I got into it. Um, and, and like I said, I, I don't, I have respect for the game. It's just the turn-based style has never been my forte. I appreciate it cause I'm a big fan of the XCOM games. So again, it, it's kind of like an active version of that, but at the same time, it, it is a bit repetitive and it, it is kind of, uh, it, it's just doesn't offer nearly as much as Hades or, you know, the story doesn't blow you away nearly as much as Pyre did for me, but um, I still appreciate the experience for sure. I'm glad you went that route over Bastion though. I, I enjoyed Bastion more than Transistor, but I definitely think Transistor is the more interesting game and Bastion at this point is, I don't know you've, if you've experienced Pyre and, and Hades, um, I think you've experienced definitely like the best of what Supergiant has, has produced. Yeah, Bastion, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, coming off of Celeste, just I need something a little different. And honestly, that was the reason, because you had mentioned the turn-based gameplay from Transistor, and, and the reason it sounded appealing was especially coming off a platformer and then a super arcade just like beautiful all-around game in Miles Morales. It was kind of like, okay, I, I can absorb a slower pace, just kind of different kind of indie game right now um, versus, you know, put jumping into something that's going to be more comparable to those. Hmm. Well, um, I've had, I had a really cool uh, couch co-op experience the other day and um, my, my wife's mom was staying with us for a couple of weeks. Why, uh, why, uh, her, her husband was, was out, uh, hunting. So she was, ba we were basically crashing on the couch for a couple of weeks with her and she does not play video games, but she was a huge Pac-Man nerd back in the day to the point where she used to like go to, uh, tournaments, compete in tournaments. And, and, uh, I think she even won a tournament at one point. So, I reeled her in with the uh, with buying the super janky version of Pac-Man on the PlayStation 4, which is just a terrible port. It's awful. The controls are so sloppy that she'd never used a controller before. So she's just getting pissed. 
But basically, I just used it as an excuse to get her on to um, Tetris Effect. I, I picked up uh, Tetris Effect. And it's a pretty cool game. It's, it's um, I mean, everybody, everybody's played Tetris. But the visuals, the music, and the overall just experience really livens things up. It's bright, and um, they, they make... They, they put some really good music that fits into what you're doing. So like when you hit a certain point of a, a milestone in the, in the game you're doing, the music will switch up. It's all timed really well. And they have this boss mode where it's basically you and two other people can sit on the couch co-op and duke it out against this boss, which has like special Tetris powers. Like it drops like big blocks on you. Like, and, um, so she was awful because she'd never used a controller before and she's not, she hasn't played Tetris. Um, so like, it was just fun doing like this carry job with her where the, the three of us were duking it out. And as um, we played it on like four different nights over the two weeks and she like slowly gained the abilities and we like coached her up, like kept things real positive, you know? Um, and on, on her last night, we conquered the, uh, the Tetris boss. So uh, just just playing playing uh, Tetris with her and her and my wife was just a really cool experience. Um, beyond that, on the flip side of things, um, I scooped up Enter the Gungeon, a game I tried out um, probably about four or five years ago, and it it didn't pull me in. Um, basically, I, I I go on Reddit, and the two um, Reddit threads I'm on is celeste and slay the spire and these other games keep popping up all these games that i really like uh hades binding of isaac um and so enter the gungeon was one of those and i was like oh shit like if this keeps popping up with all these other games like maybe i maybe i missed something here and i really didn't give it a fair shake back in the day so i flipped it back on and it's been a lot of fun it's this procedurally generated isometric shooter if you've ever played Binding of Isaac, it's really um, that thing where, I mean, a lot like Hades, really, where um, you're running around, you've um, basically shooting things and, and they're shooting you, bullet hell. Um, unlike Hades, where that is a true roguelite, where you consistently get stronger, this game really does not give you that. It's, it's really tough. And you don't get stronger. So my one complaint is that I'm not good enough for this game. And I don't think I'm going to be able to beat it, which just like, even if I had like a good shot of beating it, like within a reasonable amount of time, I would be more motivated. But I have a feeling I'm going to end up giving it up. But I don't know. The mechanics of the game are really cool. There's over 230 guns you can get. It's all randomized, which ones you're going to pull out. They've got ones like... um They've got like uh, ones that shoot sharks or uh, shoot uh, one gun shoots the letter bullet um, and just all these creative and fun bosses. Um, the, the boss I've seen the most is this is this yoked out bird, which flies over and then sheds all its wings, revealing a massively buff human being underneath with hairy armpits. And after you beat him, it gets eaten by birds. Um, so a lot of just like creative flourishes like that, really cool style. 
And um, if you are a glutton for punishment and you do like those like roguelike um, or procedurally generated hell uh, bullet hells, I would highly recommend this game. I just, I wouldn't recommend it for anybody who doesn't want to get their ass whooped. Right on. Well, I guess that's a decent enough transition into uh, the game we're going to be discussing here, boys. Like, I know nothing about this one, so I, I'm going to have to ask, like, Dave, can you give me a summary of this game that you've been playing? Um, uh, just completed, actually. Yeah, so Jack and I ended up playing Deathloop. Jack purchased it, and through a linked PS5 system, I was able to uh, download it and play it for myself as well. Um, it's by Bethesda Arcane, and it is a first-person shooter. And I would say it is kind of an action mystery science fiction game uh, that involves a roguelite in the sense that uh, you're stuck in a loop. So once it's nighttime, you wake up on the same spot as you would every morning um, if you were in this place. So the whole mystery is trying to figure out how to get out of that loop. And um, it usually involves killing people. So <laughs> I think that's why it's called Death Loop. I mean, the original to this was Groundhog Day, but um, I think a more similar uh, recent media production would be uh, Edge of Tomorrow, where there's a shitload of guns. And <laughs> but um, yeah, go, go on, Dave. Um, so, yeah, uh, I would say that it's probably action forward. Um, I haven't played any of the other studios games, but I do know of them. Uh, Prey came out before Deathloop, and then they had the Dishonored series. And um, from what my research is, Deathloop is like a, an improvement on those, you know, and kind of an a, accumulation and a merger. But they wanted... Uh, to tell a more faster paced story in a more lively place. Whereas uh... I would, I've heard a lot of pushback actually. I mean, there's a lot of hardcore dishonored fans out there who would definitely beg to defer on this being a better game. I would definitely say it's a more immediate game. It's, it's action heavy compared to those. The, um, from what I've heard, the systems are a little bit more simplified, but um yeah, I don't know. I just want to throw that there so we don't offend our hardcore audience. No, I, I've heard that as well. I've heard Dishonored has a very strong uh, contingent of fans that it, it is one of those games that you have to really work to be good at it enough to enjoy it, I think. And that was kind of what dissuaded more of the casuals. But those that stuck with it, I think, have just really fallen in love with the universe and everything. And because I, I have heard a lot of grumbling that they never really followed up on it. And Prey, if I remember, wasn't that kind of a critical failure? Um, uh, no, I, a commercial failure, I think. Uh, okay. Prey is fairly well regarded. Um, it's, it's considered kind of a flawed game, but um, really creative and, and highly regarded in the, in the systems that they kind of implemented and tried out, if not quite perfected. Right on. So anyway, sorry to interrupt you, Dave. Kind of oh no i mean that's kind of perfect because they uh had wanted to do the opposite of the, those games which were a bit slower um and a bit more bleaker uh the whole setting um takes place on an island called black rock and it was formerly a military 
Um, it had a military presence on it. And BlackRock, for some reason, has some sort of temporal uh, anomaly going on with it. And so in the present time, um, this company called Eon runs it. Either way, um, they end up setting up a time loop and they wanted it to be uh, an eternal party. So everything is brightly colored. You know, every, everything is a party scene. And, you know, with that being said, there's, there's a, quite a bit of humor in this game. It, you know, if you sit around and uh, you're stealthy, you can listen to a lot of conversations that like the peons have, they're called eternalists in the game. And it could often be like, uh, I shouldn't have drank that much last night or them realizing that they're gonna wake up every morning hung over because that's how they started off the loop. Um, there's a naked guy, uh, uh, which is tied into a trophy. So I'm gonna have to run into him eventually, but uh, yeah, there's just like a naked guy that, you know, ends up on the island. For, for a genre that is really well explored in, in movies, I think it's, it's one of my favorite elements that they bring in, the, the nature of all these people who are just regretting their decisions um, or even out of their control. Like one NPC, you constantly hear him complain about how he threw out his back right before this day so for eternity he's gotta he's gotta live with this messed up back and like i mean how much would that suck you know uh main character wakes up on the beach every morning bottle in hand because he's obviously passed out on the beach and uh yeah anyway um but yeah so uh they they're all working under a group of even bigger degenerates uh, called visionaries. And they are like the backbone of this company that has um, taken over the scene on this island. So, and eventually you being a visionary, um, well, I guess I should iterate that the kick of this is most of them don't remember the day. So, you know, once it's all wiped, uh, you start off fresh. And we are starting to head into pretty heavy spoiler territory. So um, I, if you haven't played this game and you have interest in it, I would probably recommend you steer clear from this point on because um, now that I've said that, I can mention um, that is one of my favorite twists in the game, Plumber, is that for the first few hours I played, I was kind of like, I just didn't, something was off and I was like, what's wrong with these NPCs? Why aren't they reacting to me the way I feel like they should be? And then it's revealed that there's only two characters, somewhat three characters on the island who understand what's really happening. And that's not that they're about to enter this loop, but that they've actually been in it for many, many years. Um, and then when, once you understand that, once they reveal that, you realize that all these people's reactions to you are based around the idea that they haven't done this before. To them, it's all fresh. And that, that's, um, it just completely turns the way you look at the story on its head. And, and all of a sudden, a lot of the things that I found flawed about the game clicked into place. Um, so... I guess you should 
you should all know that the way that the game is played is that um, the day cycle is broken up into four periods. You got morning, you got noon, afternoon, and night. And um, there's four locations on this island that you have access to. And for each cycle of the day, uh, either some of them are inaccessible or there are um, objectives that you can only achieve in certain uh, periods of the day. So it really, uh, it really chops up the whole narrative process because the way I played it initially was I came in and it's, it's kind of difficult at the beginning. Uh, you don't have too many powers. You don't really know what you're capable of. Uh, it's very easy to get smoked. Um, even though Jack was saying that these guys don't seem to um, act as like normal aggressive NPCs, uh, enough of them will kill you really fast, you know, if you don't know where they're coming from. I think they are fairly aggressive. And one thing that I really like about that, opposed to most action games, is most action games, you have these NPCs who are just running at you, or maybe they're doing, you know, ducking out from a corner. But nobody's really scared. There's no sense of like urgency from these people who are just getting slaughtered you know personally if i was in a gunfight and this superhuman fool was just screwing up was just killing my entire team i'd be running but that's really the case in video games but in this one it actually makes sense because these npcs are all convinced they're invincible and if they die they're just going to go into the next day i mean eternity has already begun they're they're protected so it's a pretty cool um game mechanic that explains why they're just like running out with guns blazing you know um but which actually builds on to the fact that i is what i did is instead of like following the the narrative threads which if you highlight them as you discover them they definitely point you down the path you need to go uh to get to the end game very easily you know to stay on the main narrative path but is what i did is i just stayed in one location and did every day cycle and i did that on two of the locations and by this by the end of the second one, I had accrued quite a bit of abilities because um, there's usually a visionary on one of those days or maybe even two, and they always drop something that's OP until you've collected all the stuff that they could drop. And on top of that, uh, there's another visionary named Juliana, and she is uh, the one that remembers every uh, loop. Uh, she is also works for the company. She's the archivist and the head of security. But is what she does is when you're in a uh, area with the visionary, uh, she has the ability to invade you, and you don't. You kind of get an idea about where she's coming from. But the first few times that happens, it's very intimidating, and it actually adds quite a bit of like excitement to the game. But um, because I did that, I got to experience really all these like crazy little things. So in one area, there's this um, structure, it's called the wolf's head and it, it hands over a cliff and you can watch all these different eternalists like kind of egging one of them to jump off so that they could tell them, you know, uh, what, <laughs> what, what, what it feels like. But the fucked up thing is like, he's gonna forget, you know, so He's like doomed to jump off of this wolf's head, you know, every day, you know, and he's like, I don't know, man. They're like, come on, dude, you just, you know, wake up tomorrow morning. He's like, all right, woo. <laughs> he like falls to his death and everyone's like cheering him on. And it's just really kind of 
that's when you start kind of start thinking about the philosophical concept of this game and what this island brings is like death has no penalty um you can do whatever you want the sacrifices though you can't remember what you know you did so you know and you can't change who you are so you got this like eternal life but nothing is changing and you know you're not growing or no one else is growing around you so you know you're you're stuck on this like really crazy island with these really psychotic people, you know, and you're, you're trying to break it. Um, the visionaries hold the key to that. And eventually is what has to happen is you have to kill um, a majority of the visionaries. Well, all of them, except for yourself. And then that gives you the ability to uh, break the loop. So um, it, I was pretty impressed by the game. I, I started it off as a 7.5. I kind of didn't like it. And then by the end of it, I, I'm going to finalize a, like an 8.5 on it. So. so I have to ask, like, what drew you guys to this game? Um, like I said, I, I hadn't heard about it. I've seen now that all the end of the year ratings are coming out. It was one of the higher ranked games that have come out. So uh, what encouraged you to pick it up and give it a go? Notoriety. Uh, I read I read some good stuff about it, and it seemed like an action heavy game. I typically can get into those. Um, looking for a new toy for the PS Five. Really, you know, there's not a lot out there, so you're kind of limited. Uh, but those that got them, they those sneaky <laughs> SOBs. They... <laughs> I, didn't realize, I didn't realize it was a Bethesda game. If I had known that, I would have scooped. <laughs> But I don't regret it. Um, I don't regard this game as, as highly as uh, Dave does for many reasons we'll get into, but I did enjoy my time and I don't, I don't regret uh, jumping into the loop. Um, I guess um, a lot of highs, a lot of things I really like about the game and a lot of things uh, I, I don't. Um, I guess I'll start off with my favorite and that is you touch upon Juliana. Um, well, Colt, the main character, and Juliana are the only two who have any kind of uh, real recollection of the past in this game. And, um, and, and Colt, sorry to interrupt, but Colt um, only kind of just recently regained this. So it's not like he knew he kind of had this amnesic period in between two chunks and knowing what was going to happen. So sorry. No, uh, yeah, that's correct. So Juliana is well ahead of the curve on you. She knows this world. She has come to terms with the fact, not just come to terms, but uh, really, really values this eternal life. She sees it as a life of purpose. Uh, one of my favorite, well, and, and I'll just say the best part of this game in my eyes is the rapport between Colt and Juliana. They've just got excellent voice acting and they really just nail like this stranger that's not a stranger um they've got uh chemistry and a lot of personality and they just zing zing uh insults off each other and comment about you know just random things and it's pretty quick and to the point but i mean one of the one of the my favorite lines in the in the game is when juliana is is basically telling colt to fuck off and she's like She's like, I've read more books than than every single person on this island combined. And he goes, yeah, but have you ever written one? <laughs> and it's, it's a perfect line because he's trying to explain why this is a useless life. 
in that you're just repeating the same thing over and over again. You can't accomplish anything. You don't have the time to write a book because every day, everything you've done gets wiped away. And so, yeah, she's read every book that there is to read on this island, but she can't accomplish anything that will last. And um, I just, I, I like that zinger. I like that they're just constantly flinging shit at each other. And I like that she holds it over him, that she knows so much more and she knows the history of them. Um, whereas he just has this brashness and this, I don't give a shit that um, really balances it well. Like rather than him being like all uh, upset and feeling intimidated by her knowledge, he's just kind of like, I'm here, I'm going with the flow and I'm going to get us the fuck out of here. Uh, and it, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I initially didn't have any sort of response to the game. I saw the trailer for it and I, I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and done with my day. Um, I saw that it got a 10, but I don't think that really changed anything. I, I got to say, I think the only reason why I really played it was because Jack got it for free, you know, and, you know, it looked like um, something I might be into. I mean, I felt like as soon as I turned it on, I was like, this is a Bethesda game straight up. So uh, the first night I booted it up, Mike, uh, Jack and I were on the mic and I had a pretty good time with them. <laughs> it was like, so. But uh, I ended up, one, I'm, I'm a big fan of the aesthetics of it. A lot of the marketing design is just like swashed in orange with a like a swing 60s kind of music slash style about the characters and the settings. Um, so for me, it was something that was pretty vibrant and really caught my eye. I liked how uh, so some what of you're saying is, So what you're saying is you're a big fan of Fia and Frank, huh? <laughs> big big <laughs> psychopaths. <laughs> Aesthetic painted all over the island. <laughs> I, I can't wait to really start talking about some of these visionaries because they're... Uh, horrible human beings for the most part and you know uh we'll, we'll discuss that because i'm definitely some horrible human beings but i think there's there's more to it than than that well you oh, may yeah. as well dive into it because I'm, I'm all ears now i'm, I'm super intrigued so. okay well the the people we're referring to are the visionaries they are the ones who either through financial or um scientific um, methods, artistic artistic methods are kind of the the ones pushing this island and um, is there six or seven outside of the two main characters Dave there is seven and then so there's Juliana which makes eight and then you which makes okay. nine okay and um, I mean shoot we just talked about one thing I really like about this game but the visionaries are my, my second favorite thing about this game I love that each of them feels driven by a unique motivation in this game. And there's so many games you play where the boss, if you will, the bosses, they don't have any real motivation or it's just some generic, I'm going to take power. But every single one of these uh, visionaries has a lot of personality. They feel individuals and they have real motivations for why they're here, why they're doing what they're doing. And it's completely, um, when Dave said they're all psychopaths or whatnot, um, yes, there is some of that. They're definitely narcissists. They're 
definitely consumed with power. But at the same time, you've got to give them somewhat of a pass because they are convinced that nothing matters because they've entered into this world where anything they do doesn't have a lasting effect, um, which really just kind of like makes you consider what their motivations are. Um, Dave, who was your favorite visionary? Uh, my favorite was Charlie Montague, actually. Um, so Charlie, I, I did a lot of backstory reading on these characters. So Charlie was just a phenomenal uh, coder. Uh, he did video games and then ended up doing like five of the greatest selling video games ever created kind of like uh, talent of love, you know, level of talent. So uh, he gets recruited uh, to create a game that can remember the loop and engage the inhabitants of the island um, and keep them entertained even though they're not gonna remember. So um, pretty uh, daunting task and actually doesn't have it finished. Uh, one of the biggest reasons why I like this guy is he's kind of like uh, this bleeding heart guy. He's not really much of a fight. Uh, he has one of the cooler slabs, which is a teleportation slab. So when you kill these visionaries, they offer you like this special item that you have one of as well, but you can equip up to two at the same time. And they really make you more powerful, you know? So when you start off, you don't have really any good slabs. And then by the end of it, you have a lot. And those slabs are based upon the powers that they themselves have. So you are introduced to the power when you fight them and have to, um, you have to battle it off of them. But um, so he uh, he's a visionary and he has a relationship with another visionary and they're not supposed to be having one. So it's all really kind of in secret. And <laughs> so is uh, why one of the reasons why I really like this character is he does something really crazy and is uh, he has the chief scientist for the company who also created the loop, you know, so a really smart individual. Uh, cut out a good chunk of his brain to turn into a computer for the game <clears throat> and it's called 2-bit <laughs> so, so two, yeah 2-bit two, <laughs> two is actually a suspended chunk of brain in a fluid that's connected to a monitor and speakers and is connected to the whole island but um, I just felt him like really intriguing uh, because he was also like the entertainment guy, he writes a, in-game-wise, in, in, in that canon world, he writes a song for Fia and has another visionary who's like the entertainment presenter, radio host kind of personality for the bad guys uh, sing it. And yeah, Frank. And it, it was just a song that as soon as I heard it, it caught me. It's got a very old 50s, 60s kind of feel to it. Um, it it's really hard to describe without ruining any credit to it but it's called um ode to somewhere and it's it, it was a song that kind of got to me emotionally so but yeah uh charlie and i guess i'm fia not so much but charlie because of just how weird he is um also like alexis a lot even though he's a big sob he's probably one of the most entertaining ones well, that Alexis is my favorite visionary, and that's because I love the um, 
the juxtaposition between there's like these three scientists there's charlie wenji and uh Igor. and they're all like geniuses that are in their own ways trying to kind of use this island's um forces to harness inventions and creativity and and then there's the rock star who's super creative and Fia who's the artist and then there's a uh, Lexi who's basically just this rich complete asshole who they brought on because he had a shitload of money and is crazy and and so full of himself that um and I just love his vibe because he truly does does not give a shit. Like he hates he hates all these people. He has like a grudging respect for a couple of them who I, who are just as weird and psychotic as he is. And he he's always trying them. to hook up with one of them, right? Is that him? Um, yeah. Well, I don't know if he's trying to hook up so much as he's just being like. I mean, he basically, comes off as a rich frat kid. Yeah. Uh, who. Uh, and I didn't realize this when I was playing the game, but when I went back and read like more about it, apparently he is cannibalizing his followers every night and um, everything's got to be his way. He has his own soundtrack. He plays only in his club. He throws a party every night. He just wants to party and have fun for eternity. And he doesn't care about anybody else other than the fact that they're having a good time because of him. I just love this big asshole personality that, that he is. And uh, I just thought he, I just thought he was the perfect character to be in this world of like no repercussions because you could just tell like, this is what he's always wanted to do. He's just always wanted to be a God um, as opposed to some of the characters who might've been more nuanced, you know, like Wenji, she's got like this crazy idea where she's trying to uh, basically manipulate time uh, or no, no, not manipulate time, manipulate different dimensions. Um, sorry, uh, I, I messed that one up. There's another visionary who wants to manipulate time. Uh, yeah, so Wenji is basically has figured out a way to create a bridge to another um, loop on the island and can recruit other versions of herself and bring them into their world as long as they go back at a certain time. So she's that kind of smart and she's trying to figure out like a permanent gateway. So when you fight her, you actually fight like eight more of her because that's just how many happen to be around her at that period. But yeah, so. Which was a really cool moment in the game, just kind of stumbling upon that. And, and I really like the visionaries one, because they each have all these motivations and you get like little snippets of what their personality is throughout the game. And it's always interesting. Um, but they're also all have like kind of a cool mechanism for why you, when the first time you battle them or like for plumber, you just explained that the first time you run into Wenji, there's like eight of them running around and you have to kill them all. Um, but then Fia, she just so happens to be in this, in this building that's got a huge bomb in it. And I didn't know that. So the first time I tried to go after her, I'm just blazing through like I always do in this game. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit about stealth. I'm just, you know, I'm here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. And, um, and I'm halfway through this. I'm like an hour into this run. And when you die in this game, you lose a lot. So it, it hurts when you die. And I didn't realize it. She realizes she does not want you in her spot. So she is willing to kill every single person on this Island 
And that's what she does. You go in there and she realizes that you're there before you do. She taps a couple buttons on her arm and the whole freaking thing blows up. So you got to get to her before she can do that. And then there's Igor who's got the invisibility slab. And um, just when, when I went after Igor, well, I guess before I go into it, I'll give you your shot, uh, Dave. I want to hear uh, what was your favorite kill in the game? My favorite kill in the game? Uh, man, that's pretty tough because there's uh, I, and that's a really hard question. Like when you say kill, like as in just in general kill or like uh, well, I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, my favorites were, um, I think I had two, and they were both revisionary kills. One I was directly responsible for, and that was um, towards the end game, where you're basically going through the mansion slaughtering everybody. And there's three visionaries there. One, you've manipulated uh, the events of the game to make it so that Igor is no longer in Igor's original spot. He ends up in the mansion but he's still invisible. And so I found him, I knew he was there, but I couldn't, I couldn't kill him. I, Cause I didn't, I couldn't see him. So I had the havoc slab. I think it was the havoc slab and that slab links enemies together. So nexus one, a nexus. If you kill one, you kill all. So I shot the nexus. I snuck up on that area. I shot the nexus slab, which connected all the enemies. One of which was an invisible Igor popped the other dude in the head and that's how I killed uh invisible Igor just by shooting another enemy in the head that was linked to him so that was pretty freaking cool my other favorite was actually Frank uh is demise in the end because I hated Frank he never shuts up he's got the radio show and he just talks in his terrible voice about just horrible things that like he's just an asshole and he never shuts up and um so you rig his fireworks in the end and he's doing his normal you pop into the final level and he's he's doing his normal spiel where he's talking about how much he's great and how everybody yeah you know, you're an asshole and then you just hear what <laughs> and then you're all these fireworks go off and he, he dies he like you don't see it but it's just so satisfying after having to be forced to listen to him for this entire game over and over through these loops to just have him to just hear him get blown to kingdom come is just it's just a fantastic moment okay <clears throat> that makes uh now that can kind of zone me in uh alexis actually there's a way to go after him so his party is pretty intricate it takes place in a uh, part of the island called updam and it's like a residential area with some businesses. And that's where Colt's apartment is. Uh, he has a huge cashel slash uh, manor thing going on. And uh, there's a way to sneak in there and you can get in the rafters. So this guy's sick party is that everyone's wearing a, a wolf mask. So you don't know who Alexis is initially until you get some more clues down the road. But um, his party and Jack was mentioning about cannibalism is everyone gets on a stage and there's, you know, a crowd of wolves in front of them and they tell horrible things that they've done. And if the crowd uh, enjoys it, they get to live. And if they don't, uh, they fall through a trap door where there's a meat grinder and they get ground up and the trap door pops back up. So uh, once you understand, once you know, 
I've went through that mansion at least six or seven times. I never knew that. Thanks for pointing that out. That's cool. Yeah. So there's this, uh, there's these rafters that's on the side of the mansion and uh, it's a emergency like button to open up the trap doors. So you can wait there. And once you figure out who Alexis is, he goes up to the mic and you can like hit the button and it just drops them. And the, oh, the whole crowd is, you know, like freaking out. But since you're hidden, you know, like they can't find you. So uh, that was one of them. Uh, Frank was one of them, you know, but Jack touched base on that one. Uh, and it's a good leeway into the way the structure of this game is, is basically you need to set these guys up in the morning to be affected in the next day or the next part of the day. So it kind of like shoves them around in different areas and puts them in different situations that, you know, changes the day other than the standard, you know, cult not messing with anything. So Frank's is really cool because what you do is you sabotage a bin of fireworks that you know he's gonna go to at some point in the day. So, you know, you set it up in the morning and then sometime later, Frank opens that door and then catches a face full of fireworks. So uh, that's a pretty cool way of going about it. Another way was uh, you figure out where Charlie and Fia are going to meet in secret and it happens to be a huge buttable tank so what you can do is you can lock them in there and then flood the tank <laughs> they start drowning now i flooded the tank and i got the hell out of there because you're at risk getting sealed in there too and dying so i ended up going on the subreddit for death loop and asking has anyone stuck around to hear what happens and basically they they start pounding on the glass and then Charlie says, I love you. And then Fia, they've been in an argument, says, at least you could die like a man. <laughs> and then they drown. <laughs> so, just... Dave, did you never go into that chamber with them and listen to what they're arguing about? I did. And oh. yeah, it kind of just makes a whole thing. And that's, uh, you know, that's at the end of the game is when I really got impressed with it was with the credits and when the certain song came on and Charlie and Fia were like the last couple before the very last part of the game really and it was just uh it was one of those things that was hitting me is like this guy like really loved her and at one point they were like a normal couple and then just you know they fell apart but now they're stuck in this time loop and they're just like these sick people uh the backstory for fia is that she wanted to bring a bunch of talented like musicians over to the island is what she did is she stuck them in a cargo container and they all suffocated before she got to the island like she's not a good human being you know <laughs> so like well I, I love the fact that Fia is high as a kite every day because she decided that she was going to take a bunch of hallucinogens before the loop started so every day she goes into it, just freaking tripping balls, which I just think is like, I mean, a, a really reckless person would just take a bunch of, you know, mushrooms or acid into it and then take it as soon as the day started. So they had that option. But she, she takes it further. She's just like, nope, I'm going in every day for the rest of eternity. Well, I shouldn't say eternity because I think the plan is 50 years. Um, yeah. 
but <laughs> she just goes for it. She's like, yep, I'm all in. And just every every day, she's just high as a kite on on strong hallucinogens. And every day, Charlie feels the brunt of that. Poor Charlie. Um, Charlie. There's a way to kill Charlie that I haven't done yet, but you can convince 2-Bit to... Um, so Charlie's area is a like kind of a playground. You know, he's doing this game thing, right? So it's meant to be interactive. So you find 2-Bit in there and you can convince 2-Bit or you can reprogram him to tell all the soldiers in there to go after Charlie and <laughs> which he becomes the target for everyone. So eventually he gets like everyone turned on him and then you find out that uh colt has done this to 2-bit before and 2-bit has the ability to remember some of these loops or at least a lot of them and he's like oh colt what did he call him uninspiring gunman for the longest yeah, time yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like uninspired gunman like what do you want you know and then colt's like who are you and he explains himself but um it's just it's just creative ways of uh you know, achieving these goals that I think Arcane did a good job of putting into this game. Uh, I've killed a lot of these guys in just different ways, just because it was the fun. And sometimes just a long bullet shot to the head. Sometimes I snuck up on them. You know, sometimes it was a full on firefight or I use my powers or I set them up, you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I want to go into Jack. What what was your favorite weapon of the game? There's so many of them. Well, not so many, but quite a few different ones. Um, yeah, I, I think I liked. Um, well, shoot, it, it was it was a tie between two of them, but I know you're gonna take one of them. So there was uh, there was basically like an automatic shotgun that um, uh, it was, and you can get upgrades for your weapons. And as it doesn't, you don't get this in the beginning of the game, but once you get to like like the quarter waypoint, you start to earn the ability to load your weapons and upgrades your personal trinkets, which upgrade you with this uh, substance called residium, I think it is. Residium. And that makes it so you can take them from one loop to the next, as opposed to losing all your stuff every day. So you do become much more powerful as the game goes on. Um, not only do you learn certain tricks, but you, AKA the nightmare, you know, <laughs> from Hades, basically. But sir, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I found myself with just an upgraded, um, basically the shotgun that spits out um, shells really fast. It had upgraded, that's all sorts of upgrades on it. But I know, I'm, I'm guessing you're going to talk about uh, my other favorite gun. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> The Straylock 5050 uh, was something that never really clicked with me. Uh, so these guns, they come in different uh, grades. Gray is common, um, is gonna just be a very basic version of that weapon. Uh, you got blue, it's got better stats. Uh, you have purple, which is gonna have better stats and also some sort of sub power with it. And then you have your gold, which are named weapons and they are, uh, usually extremely way more powerful, but we're talking about two purple versions and um, mine is the rapier. It's a basically a, uh, I'd say a pump action rifle, but has kind of like shotgun type qualities up close. 
but really good mid-range. And um, that, that game, I learned really quick, has a very strong snap. So as soon as you snap and go down <clears throat> aim sights, if you pull the trigger, you're going to hit the guy. So there isn't too much uh, – there isn't really that kind of hardcore FPS quality about the gunfighting in that. You can make it pretty easy. Uh, but mine had – I came across one that had an explosive shell on it. So it ended up wrecking just about everything that I came across. Like if I got an emergency, that's what I pulled out. If they're grouped up together, it has a air of effect damage to it. So it can usually take out two with one hit if they're close enough. Uh, I smoked some visionaries with one shot to the head. So um, pretty powerful gun, pretty fun. And some of the trinkets you put on there just can make it even better. Uh, I took a look at it before the cast, but I had a trinket that made the range and damage uh, longer. So it became a bit more than just medium. Um, it had accuracy across all of its like different um, ways of aiming, like from the hip or you know down the sights, and then it also had a quick reload trinket on it. So for me, it was just like one gun that was always in my stable. But uh, and there's one gun I haven't used yet, and that's just because I haven't finished the quest for it yet, and it's going to be a tough one. So, but it's a shotgun slash rifle combo you can pretty much transform it into different uh, weapons. And there's one more that does that. It's two pistols and you put them in the end and it turns it into an SMG that becomes like pretty powerful. So the game's littered with some pretty cool stuff that you kind of have to look for or go out of your way off of the main mission to like get to, so. Yeah, I really like the combat in this game. Um, it is, you begin to feel really powerful and it's kind of this, fun push-pull because the more powerful you become the more you just jump into these crazy ass encounters without really intelligently determining how you're going to approach matters and you feel so powerful until all of a sudden you're overwhelmed and i died a lot in this game um just because of that just because i was like yeah i can just kill these 12 assholes and i just run in blazing away and yeah i kill like eight of them nine of them but but then they, uh, they eventually would swarm me or Juliana would pop up like right as I was in the thick of things and shoot me. Um, but uh, the combat was definitely a highlight in this game. Um, I should. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to add before I think we totally gloss over it is that there's a point where another player can invade your game as Juliana. And it's a setting situation, so you could set it so that uh, no one can do this or just your friends or you're open to the public. But basically, yeah, they have a kind of versus uh, mode to this game. And uh, with Juliana, the more points you get through the different various ways you kill Colt, um, gets you more equipment and kind of just builds you up to more and more capable character of taking on some cults. I haven't done this yet, but I think at some point after I get hundred percent, I'm going to turn it on to public and I'm just going to see what it's like to play against someone else. You know, Jack and I kind of had our fun with it one night. Uh, he helped me get the trophy where we helped each other get the trophies for that, uh, that section of the game. But I, I didn't want to gloss over it. It is part of the combat, right? So. It, it did feel a little sloppy to me. Um, and maybe, you know, you never know. We only did it the once, um, but it felt pretty uh it felt pretty janky to be honest like we were kind of glitching and i don't know just didn't it didn't feel very smooth 
yeah but that's how he, i convinced him to pick up the rapier with the explosive bullet because i would shoot him in the back repeatedly with it <laughs> he'd just be like oh dude that thing took off almost all my health <laughs> it's like yeah there's a reason why i keep it on me yes <laughs> so well those juliana invade scenes even when it's not another person are are pretty cool uh you touched on it earlier, but my first encounter with Juliana, she jumped into my game. And at first I was like, I'm going to duke it out with her, but you don't have any upgrades at this point. And so I pretty much immediately started getting my ass kicked. So in terror, I just ran. I was like, ah, I started running across the map and she started chasing me. And um, I had used one of my abilities to take over these gun turrets earlier. And so she, in my, I'm like screaming, like, ah, I gotta run. And she just ran straight through all my gun turrets and they killed her. And I didn't realize it even happened. This screen just pops up on my thing. Like Juliana is, is gone. And I'm like, what? And I go back there and she's just, she's just surrounded by my gun turrets. I was like, okay. Um, but that was actually an aspect I was kind of disappointed by. Uh, as the game went along, this antagonist, Juliana, who has such a really cool rapport with you and is, is set up to be such a badass really becomes kind of a pushover once you get your guns upgraded. Um, it was very rare that I had any issues with her. The only time I did was when she would jump in in the middle of a, in the middle of like a heavy firefight where I couldn't extract myself. Uh, but whenever she showed up one-on-one, I would just almost immediately eliminate her. And that was kind of disappointing because she really was a, a cool um, adversary. But um, I don't know, Dave, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Like at my first experience, I pretty much, as soon as it said Juliana evaded, I it just started running immediately. And I could hear like shots coming at me from behind. So I knew, I knew she was chasing me. Uh, I can't recall how the initial first event went because you either have to kill her or she has to leave, but you have to hack a device she sets up that keeps you from leaving the area that you're in. So she locks you in there with her. And, um, but I think, I think the idea is that by the time you get strong enough, uh, ideally you would be uh, fighting human Julianas who are probably going to be a little bit more crafty, you know, like are going to jump you in bottleneck points where they know that you're going to want to go to depending on what the situation is or that kind of stuff. Um, I went online and watched some some Julianas fuck with some cults and it was pretty amusing because this mm. person was pretty high level. So, you know, <laughs> was just toying with some of them, you know, or actually most of them. Uh, so that was pretty cool. I, I kind of want to really emphasize like what Juliana is to this game though and the fact that she does know everything about everyone. Um, she's had relationships, you know, for however long they've been there. Um, uh, well, this whole thing's been a spoiler alert. This is a mega spoiler alert. You end up finding out that she's your daughter. So Colt's history is that he was part of the military, was part of the original crew on the island, uh, a temporal event happened and it threw him 17 years into the future where he's stuck in a loop. He's able to break it, uh, gets back to normal time, but he's still stuck in the future uh, or he gets out of the loop into the planet 
gets stuck in an insane asylum and then um, Igor gets him out of the insane asylum and brings him back to the island. And then Colt basically uh, was using that as a way to try to get back to the past, to get back to his, uh, you know, his love interest. And he realizes he can't do it. And uh, he finds out that Juliana is his daughter in the past before you play this game. And he ends up like killing her every loop that he wakes up. And that's kind of where that relationship is, is that she uh, remembers all those times that her father was killing her and she didn't understand why. And it was because he felt that that's how he could get her out of the loop. So he kind of just lost his shit for a bit. And uh, she made it her mission to like hunt him down. So uh, that that's their backstory and kind of why she does what she does. You know, and as you progress through the story, you, you learn more and more, and then you figure out, you know, that she's your daughter. And they kind of have a, a pretty funny moment because at the beginning, he's trying to figure out if they hooked up, you know, if there was some sort of love interest, you know, like he's like, did, did we, did we? And she's like, did we do what? You know, he's like, you know, and she's like, I don't know, don't you remember? And he's like, no. Um, so, <laughs> So like once he realizes he kind of like flirted with her, he's like, oh man, that's gross, you know? And she's like, oh, you're telling me. So it, it, it's, it's a. Uh... There's a number of reasons why <laughs> we're going to start, I think, deferring in our opinion of this game. And this is probably a good jumping off point. I didn't like the story of this game at all. Um, and I really like the characters. I mean, we've, we've gone over at length how much personality all nine of these uh, main characters have. But when she revealed she's his daughter, one, I really didn't care because I didn't think there was any real lead up to it. There was nothing up until this point that made me care about these characters beyond um, their snaps back at each other. And two, it just, it seemed really underbaked. Like the whole time in the beginning of the game, they have this like flirty rapport where he's like, Oh, you must've been my girlfriend in the past. And at the time it's, it's really good because you're like, Oh, they've got this like chemistry together. And then when you find out that it's just kind of like, eh, like, I don't know. It just, it just took me out of the whole like fun of who those two were as characters. And if it had like a real shock value to it, where it was like, Oh, the pieces all fit. But I don't think the story was really that well developed in this game. They, they drop you like these little hints here and there of what's going on. But there's no real there's no real breadcrumb trail. It's just these things you run into that if you really don't like absolutely explore the island, every little nook and cranny, you're not going to have a good idea of what's going on. And Dave, you mentioned you went online to like read more about these characters. I did too. And I have a little bit more appreciation of where they're coming from with all these, with all these different plot lines now that I have. But when I was playing the game, I was just, I was just disappointed. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't care about any of these characters. There was nothing that made me excited about that twist that she was his daughter. There was nothing that made me excited about the ending where they do this convoluted, thing where he goes into this other air other space out of space and like has this reckoning with her and um i think what i was missing was just more direct storytelling 
Um, I'm, I'm a meat and potatoes storyteller kind of guy. And that was not on offer. There's no cutscenes in this game. There's nothing where they just sat straight up, sat down and was like, this is this. And that's why outside of the daughter reveal. Um, and furthermore, his, his reaction to it, none of his motivations change after that. None of like, he doesn't even really change the way he talks to her. He doesn't change the fact that he's completely okay with wiping her off the map every single time he loops. I was just disappointed. And, um, I am guessing Dave, who has a much different approach to storytelling video games, has a uh, another uh, viewpoint on that. And I, I'm curious how you felt about that. Oh, I loved it. It was so different. Um, and in true Bethesda fashion, like majority of the fucking story is told in like notes or audio clips. And that was something that I really enjoyed quite a bit. Um, you do get to uh, get to know some of the visionaries through like these audio tapes that are left behind their cheeky little interviews or their uh, recordings about thought processes and that kind of stuff. I would argue you get to know personalities and that's a lot of the fun and it is fun. But as far as an actual plot line, not much is that clear. Yeah, I mean, most of the plot line is told in these puzzle chunks, you know, and some of them are only accessible after certain events have been ticked off by you um, in certain parts of the island at certain parts of the day. But um, it was overall something I was really interested in because I, I think it really wanted to present itself first as an action game first, um, you know, as a instead of a true RPG, you know, because that I was just going to say, from what I understand, that was a big thing with the Dishonored series, too, that um, folks didn't really get into it because unless you did do the digging and develop the backstory that way or gain appreciation for some of these one off encounters like David mentioned before, with like the naked guy, for instance, like unless you're actually seeking out that that content, it it doesn't present itself if you just follow the storyline like you can't appreciate the actual world that they built so that makes a lot of sense that you would have kind of a differing perspective on it jack um the more you guys have been talking about to be perfectly honest like it's fascinating to me because there's so many elements from other games and i almost wonder if that's a factor as well that plays into it like because it really does sound like you take like like you said the basic groundhog day premise or we could even say Hades because technically that is the concept of just you die and die and keep going. But it sounds like they mix that with like a bit of Borderlands, a bit of Mega Man and, you know, a dash here and there of like Bioshock Infinite just to like kind of cobble it all together. And because and, it's a great premise, sounds phenomenal. I mean, it's it's a cool idea, this loop, but um I feel like that is the thing, like being aging gamers who have kind of seen a bunch of stuff. It also kind of, the more I'm listening to you guys talk about, the more there's a part of me who's like, I don't know if I'd want to play this because I also feel like I've experienced all of this, like in different games to a pretty much degree. I've seen plenty of charismatic villains. I've seen plenty of, uh, you know, neat concepts that don't really go anywhere. So, so just my two cents. Uh, and I, I think you're like, dead on the nail because usually with a lot of the games I really like or I get into or I feel like a pretty high quality I search for making of videos you know something that's got the director or the producer or the artist or storytellers or that kind of stuff talking about the game and um, the 
the head, uh, I think one of the big producers for the game was discussing that their approach to video games is to hybridize what has come. So when you mention all of those different games, like uh, I don't know if they're all accurate, but I think that's the general idea about that studio is um, not necessarily trying to break the mold, but trying to trying to change it a bit or change some aspects of the mold so that you know they've got something that you know they can be proficient at, but still like tell a good story and and put forward a good game because. Uh, as much as you're like, okay, I've played all those different mechanics, like it's presented in a different way than all those different games are, you know? So you might not, you might appreciate some of the stuff that it does offer. And that, and I think that's why I really kind of ended up liking the story and the way the story was told, because for me, I, I like searching and scouring every corner of stuff, you know, it's just kind of like one of those things that's in my nature. So for me, it was I know the objectives here, but this place looks like a little bit more interesting. And I want to see like what's different about this area today or during this part of the day than it was earlier, you know, and I'd come across some pretty cool stuff and I'd find out that some of that stuff was related to the main storyline, but I was supposed to be picking it up down the road, you know? So that was something that was really intriguing for me is that I was kind of getting these weird chunks of the story and they were all just kind of magnetized to the point where, um, you know, I was like, okay, I've got enough. Now it's time to start sending these all up. And here's the way the game works is that you've got these threads and you can select on a thread and it tells you at what part of the day and what part of the island you need to be to continue that story. And then when you have them all wrapped up, you've got this nice packaged plan of how I can kill all of these visionaries in one day. And then you just go down the box until you get to the end game where you got to make a choice, you know? So um, for me, uh, I play a lot of games that have linear stories, you know, and it, it, you know, they could still be good, you know, like Last of Us, you know, I, I would say it's like a really, really strong story, but I really enjoyed that Arcane chopped it up, hit it in different spots, you know, something that's so if you want to keep playing it, which uh, you're going through different loops that you can discover and be like, oh, you know, I didn't pick up on this earlier, you know, that kind of stuff. So it kind of felt like as if Tarantino had gotten his hold on this game because both the the approach to violence, the aesthetic, uh, the personality, even with like the music, kind of like golden age music. Um, but all wrapped in, just as you were saying, Plumber, this, this storyline that's all over the place um, as far as what you discover when and how it's all out of order. Um, it's, 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 pretty, um, it's pretty unique in, in, in exactly the way Matt put it. Um, it's basically taking a lot of elements from other games, but it's really kind of putting a creative flourish on it. Um, that being said, the whole game, and you just broke this down, Dave, is based around the fact that you're uh, in this Groundhog Day loop. And that's another thing I was disappointed by the game was, um, let me give you a little background. I am a Groundhog Day connoisseur. Whenever these movies come out, I gobble them up, even the shitty ones. And there's been some really shitty ones, and I'll still watch them. I don't care. There was this one with like this teenage girl who goes to a party. 
and she gets like hit by a truck and it was off. I don't remember what it's called, but I still watched it. I was still like, I was oh, going to say, fun. how many sequels of the butterfly effect have you watched? Jack? <laughs> well, I love these movies. And, um, but one of the things I love about them is just this idea that you perfect the day, that there's all these different things you can do to just completely make it this perfect day. And, and not perfect in the sense of, of enjoyment, but perfect in the sense is that you control every element of it. Um, a great example is in Live, Die, Tomorrow when uh, Cruz is trying to escape the, uh, the barracks and he really remembers this truck at the perfect time as it goes by. And the first time he tries it, he gets run over and it's like, ah, you hear this wonderfully satisfying scream. Um, but as he goes through it over and over, he perfects it and he gets onto the bottom of the truck and he goes away and leaving uh, oh, uh, RIP Bill Paxton very angrily and confused uh, looking around. And I didn't feel like this game did enough to honor the tradition of that. Yes, the overarching plot points are all based around the fact that you've got to unlock the sequence of events perfectly. And you do use the time loop to discover secrets like the passcodes. But on a day-to-day -day loop, there's not a lot you do to really like perfect your day. The bottom line is you go through and you blast everything in sight. I think it would have been way cooler if they'd had bridges to other parts of the day where like maybe you go to the morning of this area and you could set up bombs and then you could set up a trap for like a bunch of people and it would go off or maybe you could leave yourself like a weapon or, or some kind of gadget that would get you out of a trap. And they really didn't explore that much at all. Although I'm guessing plumber has, who has, um, and I will admit this has a lot more in-depth experience with this game than I do because he really plundered the depths. I just want to say they actually have that mechanic where you can leave yourself stuff on different parts of the island. And it's those containers that have the code that you and I. Uh, and it's not so much that you could put something in there. It's a category of different things you could go like you can leave a crank for yourself on a different part of the island. Uh, so yeah, that mechanics in there, it's just, it's, uh, it's buried, you know, it's like one of those secrets where they want you to really work for it because I mean, they hand you the main storyline. They really do. I mean, it's a big orange diamond on your, in front of your map and on your screen about where you need. Say they hand it to you, but I, the first many, many hours of this game, I did not follow those. And I, I put a lot of time into it. And then I started following them, but I never unlocked those freaking boxes. I never even figured it out. And, and I think that depends on what kind of gamer you are. For me, I really wanted to kind of go into this game without looking up spoilers, um, both for gameplay mechanics and for storyline. Um, did you unlock those before you finished the game? Uh, I mean, when I say boxes and like main storyline, I mean like location markers and objective markers. Um, well, I mean the uh, the storage units you're talking about. I'm assuming that's no, I I never went and bothered because I didn't really. I mean, there wasn't really like anything in there that I think would have really made a big enough difference for me to go fuddle around with it. Um, All I'm saying is, I think uh, we left Bill Murray unsatisfied. Yeah, I mean, yeah. In that nature, I could see why you'd be disappointed with the game in that sense. Like, uh, 
I, I think it's way more. I, I just wanted to ask, is there ever a sequence where your character, like you intentionally kill yourself because you like need to do something and you need to start over or is there anything implemented like that? Or is it just kind of follow the objective, shoot a bunch of shit with this guy, this creative backstory going on in the background? I would argue it is shoot a bunch of shit, follow the it objective. It is 100%. There's almost no reason. You don't want to die. Like they even give you three chances at it, but you don't want to die because you have to go back. And that's a, it's a little bit of Dark Soulsy where you drop your, your stuff there and you have to go back to that one spot that's still swarming with enemies, you know. But once you clean it up, you can go and get your residual back. You know, which will, <clears throat> I mean, there's been times where I've died and I've had like incredibly powerful trinkets on me and uh, a lot of residual, you know, and it's like, I got like 100k residual and it's like, I need, I need to go get this, you know, but yeah, for the most part, uh, <clears throat> there's really not a part in the storyline where you need to die in order to progress it or to do something favorable. And touching upon something that Jack mentioned was it had been super cool to have left something like an up dim in the morning that you could you've utilized that um, isn't affected, like doesn't affect the main storyline because that's how the main storyline works is that you, you do manipulate the morning for something to change in the afternoon. But I'm saying like leave a trap or leave something like that. Like that would be, that would have been really cool. Yeah, that, that it just seems like kind of a wasted gameplay opportunity in a lot of ways because there's so much you can do with that concept of very much like you were describing why you like those kind of movies, Jack, where, I mean, the coolest part of Groundhog Day is like when he just, he realizes like, well, I'm going to go learn how to play piano or I'm going to better myself by doing all these crazy things because I have infinite time to get this right. And kind of, it just seems like if you're going to utilize that setting, then you really should be leaning into puzzles and stuff that are based around like, oh, I need to do this at this time. So it behooves me to kill myself, start over, rush over here, take care of it. Like, I, I don't know, maybe I, I didn't play the game. So it, it just feels like it, it really is kind of a bit of a squandered opportunity in that regard. I mean, maybe they couldn't pull it off. I know the guys said that they had a lot of stuff that they wanted to get done. You know, Jack, I got to say something about this game is um, it's fairly clean. There's not too many drops. I've had I've had stuff go wrong, but for the most part, it's really clean. Um, and having watched some of the content that the studio has let out, it's like they've got a pretty tedious testing program, you know, so I think they were just like, hey, you know, we tested it and things just didn't work that we would have liked in the game. So, I mean, I think that's just part of studios. Well, uh, Matt, you perfectly summed up my opinions. I just, I felt like it was a squandered opportunity to um, really kind of create something special. And Dave, what you just said is 100% correct. This game feels good. It doesn't take you out of any kind of I mean I mean I had one basically I had one drop the entire time I was playing and everything just connects and doesn't nothing's jumbled um Juliana's AI is bad let's just be frank about it and 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 so is the um so is MPC AI but that I can kind of forgive because the whole idea is that 
one, they don't give a shit because they think they're invincible. And two, they're not supposed to be combat trained. Like these are just a bunch of assholes who showed up on an island to live forever. And um, Juliana is, is frankly disappointing because she has been around forever. She should know every single goddamn combat trick you have. And the fact that she just like appears in front of you like with this glowing purple shell and you basically have like three seconds to prepare loading your most badass gun and just unload on her the moment she shows up. That was that was bunk. Yeah. Um, it'd have been cool if she scaled up in difficulty. Um, but um, I mean, it also ties into the story though that that's not what she did. You know, she was like a student, and it was only until like Colt, her dad, started hunting her down, is when she started trying to learn. So um, I don't know. I'm not going to excuse it. Jack's right. I wish she was a bit more of a challenge. And at the beginning, she's really intimidating. Uh, but as you accrue more stuff and as you get more experience with what you're doing and as you get better weapons, like she's she's really easy. And there's been times where um, I found that the AI or Juliana just like kind of stuck against the wall trying to get to me, you know, and that was an easy kill. Or she, she, she doesn't utilize any of the NPCs. Like she should be, they all listen to her. So why the, why isn't she rallying like 30 of these fuckers to just corner yeah. you or to set up more sophisticated traps? The only traps they set up are the ones you pretty much figure out pretty early on. She could be manipulating this world as the day goes on. Um, and they don't take advantage of that either, which um, I don't know. Um, look, the, the bottom line is this is, like you said, a really clean game. There's so many um, fun elements and things that stand out. Most of all, I think it's, uh, like I said earlier, it's the personality of the characters and the uh, strength of the, the gameplay. Um, but th- those were my criticisms, and that is why uh, – I think I would put this game at a uh, a seven. Uh, it seems like a fair assessment. I mean, I, I think there is a bit of the factor too that um, it sounds like a lot of these decisions were made because the types of media, particularly the ones I was referring back to, are a bit dated. <laughs> so you know, if for a younger gamer, like, let's face it, like the target audience is typically going to be men and between 18 to what, 30 is like where your big money's at if you're making a game. And let's, most of them now aren't as familiar with Groundhog Day or Mega Man or... You're watching the shitty version with the girl at the party. (laughs) (laughs) They're low. (laughs) There's me, the asshole has seen like 12 of them. (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, in that regard, it does feel like it's one of those things where, you know, maybe they just decided to go more action heavy because they figured that people just who are new to that genre are just going to be so amazed by the concept of anything referring back to like time travel and whatnot. I mean, hell, technically it was a Bioshock Infinite's only what is already like nine years old or close to it, so... You know, I, I think some of it too is maybe we're just too old to appreciate some of it. Well, Dave obviously appreciated it, and I, I respect his opinions. Um, I, I definitely think I'm biased by the fact that I, I expect more just streamlined narrative. 
And he is definitely more comfortable with that kind of, you know, cookie crumb trail that has an aura of mystery and intrigue. And uh, that's just two different ways of playing video games. I, I totally, yeah, I totally respect Dave's opinion on it too. It actually makes me want to pick it up just not until it's like dirt cheap at GameStop because it does sound fun. Like it sounds really fun. You know, and it's actually the last Bethesda game on a Sony, and it's a PS5 ex- type exclusive, so it's going to be coming out for other uh, platforms. But yeah, I, I, I mean, we talked about a lot of it, but Jack, uh, what would you do at the end on your first time when you got there? <laughs> this is also biasing my opinion, because I probably would have put it at like a 7.5, but I chose the shittiest ending thinking like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't kill her because she's my daughter. So I'm like, no, I can't kill her. I got daughters of my own. I wouldn't, I wouldn't kill my daughters knowing that this could be it. This could be it for her. This could end her life. So I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. Thinking that I'm going to get some like unique storyline. No, I just get dumped back in the loop. I get one freaking line of dialogue and I have to complete the whole hour and a half journey that I just freaking did over again. Come on, that's some bullshit. Like, <laughs> uh, you, you get to do it with your daughter and you discuss how you're going to hunt down these other pieces, shit, visionaries, and how much fun it's going to be to kill them in concert. Not like, the one I did. The one oh. I did, I left her alone. Um, I jumped back in the loop. She basically makes fun of you through like one line of dialogue, and you just have to rinse, dry, repeat. Exactly oh. what I just did, and that pissed me off. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest; that probably dropped my rating for seven. Did you at least get a trophy for that? Or? No, no trophy, <laughs> no like additional storyline narrative, no like nothing. Like literally, they're just like you chose poorly. <laughs> That's like when you get like halfway through one of those choose your own adventure books, and then you get the one that just totally fucks you and makes you start all over. Like. Yeah, mine was like, I wake up on the beach of Juliana and you're like, oh, what are we going to do today? You know, and I was like, I chose so, I, because that's what I was feeling. I was like, I'm not going to, what if this is it? You know, and she's like, she's as much a victim for being on this fucking island as anyone else, except she's had the trauma of reliving every day and knowing exactly what's going to happen, you know, or like, I mean, remember what happened. That it's the old, um, you know what, what what's it called when you start to feel sympathy and appreciation for your kidnappers stockholm uh, yeah it could be stockholm syndrome she's just been <laughs> here for dozens of years um, um but, but that but, that was you know she's stuck in dozens of years i just got stuck for one more day and it pissed me off so <laughs> uh so i looked up the other endings you can shoot her and then you shoot yourself and you break the loop oh uh, okay um, sorry, I did shoot her thinking that that would like end the game in a satisfying way, but then it basically said, oh, she stays dead. And that's why I did what I did. And that was the shitty ending. Sorry, mm. go ahead. And um, in that case, you wake up on the beach and she has a gun pointed at you. And then she just kind of gives you a tisk and walks off to leave you alone. Um, and then there's one where you shoot her and then Oh, the one where you shoot her and shoot yourself, you just continue the loop. And then there's one where you shoot her and then you jump outside of the, the constraint. So, yeah, yeah, it was bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd had Anyways. one 
nervous at that point. I was ready. I was like, all right, <laughs> next game. What? <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to trophy it. Um, despite the glitches, I'm going to keep plugging away on it. I'm a big fan of like the, the overall design. Matt and Jack also had a big play in it as to why I like it. I really love the music. I, I like what they did. Um, the, the island is based off of uh, the island that's in the 007 movie uh, where they reset. I forgot what island it's called. So it's kind of got that feel to it. Cold, desolate. You know, like it's got a lot of James Bond film kind of stuff. Uh, and they purposely put that in there, you know, just like a 60 swinging color scheme. Like for me, like I just I was like, OK, this is easy for me to play because I'm also just really enjoying the design of everything, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as much as the storyline, like, you know, we're talking about there probably could have been some stronger mechanics in it. Um, Overall, I, I'm going to stick with the 8.5. It was a 7.5 until the end for me. That's funny. You know, whereas Jack drops his by one, um, I pushed mine up one because, um, yeah, no, once I finished it, the whole package, it became something that, you know, I was like, okay, as, as a finished whole, like it, it definitely has morphed because you're tunnel visioned through the game, you know, and then it's only kind of when you, get to step outside of it and see the whole thing that you're like, okay, this is what I appreciate about it, or this is what they're trying to do. Or, you know, these characters had a lot more depth to them than I initially, uh, you know, really understood. So. It honestly brings to mind, I don't know how comparable it is, but there was a game I played called alpha protocol, which isn't like a masterpiece by any stretch, but it's one of those games. that's like way better than you expected for just being kind of like a stealth slash shooter slash adventure game. It really is falls in a weird category of having a lot of gameplay elements, but for being a, for the most part, a pretty boring, like straightforward military thriller kind of game. There's one level where you in particular, where you face off against this uh, Russian drug kingpin who his whole thing is he's in this, like his own homemade discotheque and he just does lines of Coke and blares eighties music and chases you around the whole time with, like just flat out nuts. And it was just kind of like that moment. It was like shifted where it's like, okay, as long as I'm not taking this game seriously, I'm going to say I have a good time and appreciate the elements as going for it. And from that point on, I appreciated the game a lot. And I get a lot of sense of that with this game as well, where it's like, it may not be a masterpiece, but it's, you know, as long as it's smooth, as long as it's fun, it's got that cool setting and great soundtrack. Like it's, it's going to be a good time. Uh, to plow through it at the very least so uh, well, good stuff to, according to IGN it is a masterpiece so I don't, I don't know I don't know what I missed there but uh. Uh, on the record I don't agree with that like uh, but it, I have, me, it's a good game I have a theory on that but we're gonna table that because I'm gonna bring it up to when we have our discussion about Miles Morales probably on the next one so anyway any last thoughts on the game Deathloop here gentlemen yeah, I, I think we've gone through enough days. Yeah. Right on. Well, I'm going to be the one who ends this loop here and says, this has been Couch Co-op Video Game Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.
Nice. Nice.